Awesome. Well, thank you, Lee, and it's it's great to see everybody here this morning. For those that are watching online, yes, Cineplex actually is open uh, for us, us only, actually. So uh, that while they're closed to the public, they, they are opening for us to be able to have church here on Sunday morning. So we are still meeting, even though, uh, even though theaters are closed. Well, you know, this morning, I'm going to speak about us relaxing in Jesus. And uh, let's, let's start out with just relaxing. Let's just take a few deep breaths and enjoy the reality of God's love and union with us. So what I'm going to ask you to meditate on for a moment is that you are completely acceptable to God. According to the book of, of Colossians, that you are holy, you are blameless, and you are righteous because of Jesus, not because of you. So let's relax in that truth for a moment. Now let's take a big, deep breath, whether you're here in the theater or you're watching online. I can let that out. Just like I, because of Jesus, I am holy. Let's just take a deep breath on that one. Because of Jesus, I am righteous. Because of Jesus, I am blameless. How about this awesome truth that I am a loved child of God because of Jesus. Aren't they, aren't they wonderful truths for us to be reminded of, to, to be remembering? You know, when we're speaking to the young adults and I was saying at the end, I spoke a little too long in, in <laughs> last night, but something that's been striking me this week is just, I've been reminded, you know, and I was speaking about this before Christmas, but just reminded that for us as followers of Jesus, the only thing that actually matters is Jesus. That's it, right? It's that, that our relationship with God is, is solidified through Jesus Christ that our work, it's so interesting, right? In John, the book of John is what I'm going to be speaking out of today, particularly John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, Jesus is asked, you know, well, you know, what is the work that God requires us to do by the crowd? And his response is, the work that God requires you to do is believe in the one that he sent. In other words, believe in him. Believe in Jesus. And this is you know, throughout the New Testament, you know, whether we're listening to the writings of Paul or, or any of the other apostles, their, their primary thing that they're saying to us 
is we need to believe in Jesus. That our everything in our life depends on our faith in what Jesus has done for us. That we enter eternal life, we enter eternal rest, we live eternal life right here, right now on earth, that life, kingdom life, by putting our faith in what Jesus has already done for us. That we truly believe he was the son of God and that what he did at the cross set us free once and for all from sin and death. It's at that stage that we truly can relax in Jesus. We truly can, you know, live from this place of peace in knowing that what God did, he did, we cannot do. We can't do it. You know, there's nothing. There's no rituals we can do. There's no things we can celebrate. There's no practices we can do. It's not about the communion we do or the, the different rituals that we do. Those things are not the things that are relevant. The thing that's relevant is Jesus Christ and what he's done for each and every one of us. Those things can be reminders of us, uh, for us. They can, they can be little things that remind us of what Jesus has done. They can bring to mind for us the same way right now as, you know, breathing deeply in and relaxing and re- in this truth that we've been made holy and righteous and blameless because of Jesus. It brings to mind the very thing that God, God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And if we're going to truly live this life, this abundant life that God has for us, it, it's got to be rooted and grounded on the only thing that matters, and that is what Jesus has done for you and for me. You know, it's, it's where we live from. And, it's, and when we live from that place, we live in true peace. And we are able to actually find, discover and understand what really matters. Because the world, you know, tells us that there's a whole lot of other things that matter. You know, the, the chapter that we're focusing on uh, in um, uh, January, that's the month we're in, as we've been going through this book uh, called The Emotionally Healthy Disciples, and they're going through in life groups and things along those lines, is that we're to follow the crucified Christ, not the Americanized version of Jesus. You know, and this, this, you know, American culture has significantly influenced the West. And there's lots of things that have, lots of philosophies and things that have affected American culture. We say American culture, but it's Canadian culture as well. And it's this Western culture that, that elevates all the wrong things. And unfortunately, it's infected the church with these values. And so often the church um, values these things. And the people we listen to on the radio or on the podcasts or on our TV or on YouTube or whatever it is that we're listening to, often put forward things that actually detract from what Jesus has done for us. You know, and we look at things like success, you know, worldly success, our success in our careers, our success at life, how much money we have, and all these different things, and go, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to attain to. And Jesus is like, actually, that, that doesn't matter. Or it's that we think, man, I want to be great for God, right? Sounds really good. I want to have a great ministry or, you know, I want to have a great ministry to people. I'm going to have a great life group. I'm going to have a great young adults group. I'm going to have a great whatever thing it is that you're going to have that's great that you're going to do for God. And God's like, you can't do anything for me. Just believe in the one that I've sent. 
believe that he's enough. Believe that you're enough because of, because he was enough. And suddenly it doesn't become about what we can do for God. It's about us living in union and communion with God. And out of that union and communion, out of that rest and relaxing with God, then we're able to do whatever it is he asks us to do. Not because we're trying to show God how great we can be, but because we're obeying what God has asked of us to do. Which are two completely different things. Completely different. You know, we, you know, Jesus, he rejected popularity, he rejected being great, and he rejected being successful. You know, John 6 is a great chapter for that because we start off in the beginning of John 6 with Jesus doing this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people. You know, pretty incredible miracle. And and pretty incredibly, he's got 5,000 people there listening to what it is that he has to say. And by the end of the chapter, 6 in John, we have Jesus telling them to eat his flesh and drink his blood and everyone walking away going, this guy is nuts, we can't follow him. So clearly, Jesus wasn't so caring about how big a crowd followed him. And the amazing thing in the book of John, we're going to look at a few different scriptures here, is that Jesus was completely secure in going, whoever the Father has sent to follow me, they will follow me. I can't lose the ones that the Father has sent to me. But but anyone else, I can lose. So if you don't want to eat my flesh and drink my blood, that's okay. You go. And by our world standards, by our North American standards, by what we think is successful, right? People, what's a successful church? Well, the number of people that are going to that church, that must be a really successful church. The number of people in the room. You know, we take a picture and go, oh my goodness, look at all the seats that are empty here today. This mustn't be a very successful church by the North American standards. Yeah. And... Man, may, may the testimony of Lifehouse Church be that whoever chooses to be a part of this community are, are able to live from a place of fo- peace in following Jesus. And that when, they, when you get to the end of your journey with Jesus, you've lived with him in such a way that you go, I know that I've done what God asked me to do, that I followed him. And in the wrong type of thinking in the church world, we can be like, well, well, if, if I'm following God, then it's got to be some ministry that I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be leading a church or I'm supposed to be in full-time ministry or I'm, I'm just, I'm supposed to be doing some type of ministry, whether it's full-time or not. It's just ministry, ministry, ministry. And, and yet what if the ministry that God's given you is your family or, or your neighbor? Now, something that, what is it, what is it that God has asked each and every one of us to do? Because when we're actually going, actually, I gotta get in touch with God and figure out, and be at peace with what He's asking me to do, then you're gonna be able to do that wholeheartedly. And you're gonna be able to do that from a place of peace, not a place of striving, not a place of, I've gotta try to make something happen. I mean, you look at Jesus, He was not stressed until the night that he had to go to the cross, and he was simply stressed by what he knew he had to go through. What he knew he had to go through. 
the night before he went to the cross. And I think any of us on the night before, if we knew what we were about to go through, a kind of torturous death like that, it would be a bit of a stressful thing as well. But as Jesus did, he wasn't, he wasn't particularly concerned. He was in touch with his father, and he knew what his father was asking him to do. Success, by God's standards, is becoming the person that God has called you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. Theologian Frederick Dale Bruner, he summarized you know, the real threat behind success, which is we sometimes do absolutely anything to keep our work from failing. But the moment we do absolutely anything to keep our work for God or work for anything else from failing, we've made our work our God. And perhaps without realizing it, we've actually worshipped Satan. That could be your career, could be your ministry, could be any one of these different things. When we elevate what's important in the world over what God is asking us to do, then suddenly we've put ourselves and our own ideas on the throne that God's meant to belong on. And yet, you know, Paul... He, he didn't have a problem embracing suffering and failure. And again, you know, again, in our culture, it's like, man, suffering, failure, it's not a good thing, according to North American culture. But suffering and failure is very much a thing of Scripture. It's actually a thing that people grow in. And Paul himself, you know, he went in, he writes to the Corinthian church. Now, Corinth was kind of like any modern Western city, you know, big city like Toronto or New York or L.A. or London, any one of these different places. You know, people go to, to, to make it, right? Have, that's where the, the good jobs are, the good careers are, those, those different things. And so when, when Paul went to Corinth, he was going to this place where that's, people went to Corinth to make it. That's where they went to make their money. It was a very successful city, very industrial city. And Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church there, he says, For when I was with you, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus and Christ and him crucified. So often when we, uh, you know, look at church or we look at community, it's like, well, how am I going to grow there? How, you know, what knowledge are they going to give me? What wisdom are they going to give me? But, but what if the only thing I gave you was Jesus Christ crucified? Jesus Christ crucified. And so that, that is the most important thing in your life. And to get an understanding of what Jesus has done for you, it's actually not a whole lot of knowledge. It's actually the shedding of knowledge. It's actually the shedding of worldly wisdom. It's the shedding of a bunch of different things that, that we've put our, our hope in and our trust in that is not Jesus. And they're all things that actually we fall short. We'll always fall short because the only thing that matters is Jesus. It's the only thing that matters in our lives is him and what he's done for us. Because, you know, we can live, we, we live in this world that's filled with anxiety. It's filled with fear. It actually... It actually surprises me just how much anxiety and fear there is outside the church and even inside the church. And, and we live in this place of anxiety and fear when we are trying to live up to our own ideas and standards or when we're trying to be in control, which is the other big disease of our culture. 
right? That of being in control. And if, if the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ crucified and we follow him, then that's us actually surrendering control of our lives to God. We no longer are in control. We're trusting in God to be in control of our lives. And that we can trust him and that he is trustworthy and we can listen to him and we can follow him and we can do what it is that he asks of us to do. This, this surrendering to him of control is acting in an absolute opposite spirit to where the world asks us to be. Because the world says, you better be in control. You better get the right grades. You better go to the right school. You better get the right career. You better get the right house. You better have the right this, that, whatever that right thing is that you're meant to have. And you better be in really good control of your life so that you can have those things. So you can have them. Because, you know, if you're going to achieve your goals, then you better be in really good control to be able to achieve those goals. the, The rich young ruler was a person that was really in control. He was in control of himself. He followed the law. He came to Jesus going, hey, Jesus, what do I have to do to attain eternal life? You know, or what do I have to do to be perfect? You know, I want to be perfect. Jesus lists off, well, you know, have you obeyed these different commandments? He's like, yes, I've obeyed those commandments. He was really excited. I've, I've obeyed those commandments. Ah, oh, must be perfect. Then Jesus pauses and then says to him, well, if you really want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had a lot of wealth and he wasn't willing to give it up. Now, that wasn't a, a prescription for each and every one of us. He's not saying, hey, go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and, and that's when you really are following Jesus. Jesus was addressing something in the heart of that rich young ruler. For you, it might be give up a career, give up a ministry, give up something. I don't know. Or it may not be anything. Whatever. What is God saying? It's not what I'm saying. It's what is God saying to us? Because when we'll follow what God says, when we'll give up control to him, man, then we'll live that abundant life. That life of peace, that life of rest, the life, the life of trust in Him. Now, a number of, of theologians that I've uh, uh, read, and one particular, Henry Nouwen, he he observed some trapeze artists. Now, if you know what trapeze artist is, and you know, in a circus where you've got you know two people swinging on these swings in the air, way up high, and you know people doing these aerial stunts. And he said, you know, everyone is focused. In, in a trapeze show at the person that's like doing all the kind of high flying flips and things like that, that's letting go of their trapeze, flipping through the air and then, and then getting caught by somebody else. Like, but he observed and said, actually, the real unsung hero of the trapeze artist is the person that does the catching. Because the person that's doing the flipping and flying can only do that because they completely trust that that person's going to catch them. If that person isn't there to catch them, they don't have the, the they, they've got to learn to trust, to let go, to do their thing, and that they will be caught. And that is what, you know, he said, that is a perfect example of what life with Jesus and truly trusting God is all about. Is that we would trust that we can take risks, we can do what it is that God says, and that God is there to catch us. You know, that he's not there judging us. He's not there, well, if you don't get this right and that right and that right, well, then I'm just going to let you fall to the ground and you're going to go splat. You know? 
It's that he's like, hey, Jesus has done everything for you. You can trust me. I'm a good father that gives good gifts to his children. I'm a good father that if I ask you to do something, I've actually got a plan for how that's going to work out and how that's going to get done. And you can trust me with that plan. You can let go. You can let go of your need for control. You can let go of your need to be the one that shapes every decision in your life. You can let go of the need to shape the decisions of other people. And you can trust me that I'm going to lead you well. That you can follow me wholeheartedly because I am God the creator of the universe. And I'm not asking you to figure it out and then come and present to me your, your, your great plan. I'm asking you to let go of your plans and to follow me. Follow me. Mm. You know, when, when Jesus said to that group of people that asked him, you know, what's the work that you need to do? And he said, believe in me. This phrase, believe in me, you know, it actually, it, a better translation would be to trust in him. An even better way would be to say, is, is to say that it's not just trusting him in once, but it's a continual and ongoing moment by moment and day by day trust. Continual, ongoing, moment by moment, day by day trust in Jesus. That when I get up this, you know, today, it's do I trust God that he's going to give me everything that I need? I had to trust God today. I was absolutely exhausted. I was sitting at my desk this morning in my office going, I don't know how I'm going to get up and speak today, God. I'm not really sure how this is going to go. I actually just want to sit here. I don't actually want to get up. If I don't show up, are you going to just send someone to preach? You know, because I was really tired this morning. And I just didn't, couldn't focus. And hopefully, you know, as I obediently showed up, that God is helping my words come out in a way that you can understand. And, and I hope that's the case. But either way, I'm going to trust in him that he's going to catch me and we're not all going to fall today. You know? Ah, it's... That same theologian, Frederick Dale Bruner, he captures the richness of this kind of trust when he writes, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in Jesus. That's why we call it relaxing in him. Because that's it, right? When we truly trust, we can relax. We can relax. You know, I, I, I trust that my kids don't worry if there's going to be food in the house because we never know, don't have food. You know, so when there's just an assumption that when it's dinner time, there's going to be food on the dinner table and there's going to be enough food for them to have there. And I know because I watch my kids when they eat and, and they and, you know, there's times where they leave some food on their plate. They're full and they leave a little bit behind and it's fine. You know, Lee and I, uh, years ago, we were we were looking at, at possibly adopting uh, children and we were doing these courses and they were talking about the fact that one of the things that can happen with kids that are in the foster care system or going for adoption is that because they've experienced lack of, of food or lack of care, that one of the behaviors that they would see is that when the kids would go into foster homes or adoptive homes, that they would literally be taking food and like stuffing it in their pockets or stuffing it, you know, hiding it in, in something and then stuffing it under their bed or things like that because there was no guarantee that food would be there in their homes from before. Now, 
you know, that's a behavior that's that's there because they, they can't trust that there actually will be food. And so they're like, I gotta I gotta grab as much as I can for myself so that in case there isn't food, I've got stuff for tomorrow. And that that contrast you know, God wants us to be totally fine. To you know, they, hey, yeah, you, the food on your plate. If there's a, there's there's a little bit left, you, you don't need to worry about it because they'll be tr- they'll be there for tomorrow. Jesus taught us to pray that Lord, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know, and and He wants to, you to trust that whatever it is that you need, He will give it to you. He will give it to you. And it's not meaning we don't work and we don't do these different things. It says in Scripture, God's the one that gives us the ability to produce wealth. But we we so are programmed by our society to go, it's all up to us. And God's like, actually, it's all up to me. And if you'll be part, you know, if you'll be, as Jesus said, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branch can't survive without the vine. If we'll be plugged into him, then real life will flow through us for everything, for, our, for every aspect of our lives. But we've, we've got to live in that place of total trust of him. And we've got to be willing to adjust, right? I mean, we're all, I'm in this journey of learning as you are in this journey of learning. And there's times where we think we're following God's plan and it's really not working out. And we've got to be humble enough to go, maybe I'm not following God's plan. You know, like maybe this, maybe what I'm doing isn't actually what God wants me to do and I should adjust. I need to actually pause and go back to God and, and really be able to ensure that what I'm doing is following him and, and relax in that journey. Just like Jesus, you know, in, in John 6, 37, he said, all those the Father's given me will come to me. And then in verse 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father has sent them and draws them to me. And then in verse 65, he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Even as thousands turned away from him, Jesus relaxed, grounded in a deep sense of the Father's sovereignty and his plan over their, his life. You know, we know we're relaxing in Jesus when we can enjoy communion with Jesus, even in the midst of disappointment and storms. That when we're experiencing a lack of anxiety in our bodies, when we're not doing for others what they can and should do for themselves, when, when we're maintaining rhythms of being with Jesus in seasons of great pressure, and less, we're less and less being triggered as things go wrong in our lives. And when we're present to experience beauty and wonder in those around us, when we can enjoy a deep sense of knowing that I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose, I want only God's will. And when we can experience deep, deep contentment and caring for the people God has entrusted to us, Receiving God's gifts of limits rather than fighting, ignoring, or denying them, and discerning and embracing the seasons in which God has placed us. That's from Pete Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That's what real faith is, right? Real faith is trust. And when we really trust, we can really relax. We can really be at peace. And just and just 
do. Go with the flow of what God has for us to do. doesn't mean, I mean, you know, Paul was totally at peace and relaxing in Jesus, whether he was, you know, in prison, whether he was shipwrecked, whether he had little, or whether he had a whole lot. So this relaxing in Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect, everything's going to go right, and there's going to be no trouble or storms. It, it, the, Jesus told us we'll have trouble in this world. We live in a society where 95% of the people around us uh, follow Satan, not God, by the very nature of their denial of Jesus. It's a world that doesn't like the idea. It's a world that wants us to conform and be controlled by it. And when we don't conform and aren't control, you know, don't follow the patterns of the world, it doesn't like that. And so, yeah, there's opposition. There's difficulty. But, you know, Jesus said, don't, don't fear, I've overcome the world. You know, and at the end of the day, we live for this world, and, and while we're in this, or sorry, we don't live for this world, we live for eternity. You know, it's, it's like Paul said, you know, I count, I, you know, I live for Christ and to die is gain. You know, to live is to live for Christ, but for me to die is to gain. And, you know, how long or how short our life is in this world isn't, isn't our goal. It's, our goal is, is that we would follow them and follow them well. Parents, the, the best thing you can give to your kids isn't a great career. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a life with God. It's a life following him, that they would obey him regardless of what it is, you know, that he asked them to do. That, that should be our goal. You know, if our if we're following God, that's our goal. That's our goal. Again, career isn't a wrong thing. Doing doing things, being successful in the world, isn't a wrong thing. As long as, as long as it's not the thing. As long as it is not the primary thing. As long as we're doing what we're doing, because God has we we can we are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt we're doing what God's asked us to do. And if we're not, then we can get on page with them. You know, you just start where you are today. Like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want you to be everything. Help, help teach me to be that. And it begins with that kind of exercise we began with, just relax, relaxing and, and staying from that place. First and foremost, if God, according to you, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm blameless. You are 100% for me. The things in my life that, that maybe don't measure up to your standards, you will be the one that will help me change those. I don't have to do that on my own. I'll invite you into any situation in my life so that I can follow you. We can trust God to catch us. He is absolutely trustworthy. He absolutely loves you. What Jesus did is enough. What Jesus did at the Christ, uh, the Christ at the cross, is enough. It is enough. Let's say that together. What Jesus did is enough. Let's do it again. What Jesus did is enough. Ah, good. You know. Now, if you're like me, you have to say it a thousand times to yourself, you know? Sometimes, many times in the day. 
when we really believe that, our life, man, we start to, we really will live and enjoy this abundant life that God has for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you for listening today. I, I really, I trust that, that God is moving in your life through the words. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this year. Because as we really learn to lean into and relax in Jesus, man, it's going to be just wonderful. Just the, the love and the care and, and, and to see what God will do in and through our lives. Not by our effort, not by our might, not by our strength, but by our simple surrender and trust to him. Amen. Okay, that is good news, right? Right there. Thanks, my love. Um, as I was just sitting and, and listening, um, my sense was God was just saying right now, let's just take a moment and, um, and just ask him, just invite him, because love never controls. It's always on the basis of an invitation. And so God is saying, invite me right now to talk to you about an area of, uh, of your life where, where maybe you're still really holding on. You've, you've got the control, and I'd, I'd love in into that area. I'd love to bring my life and my liberty and my, my freedom into that area. So let's just take a moment and just, um, just invite the Holy Spirit because he's the one. He's the one who shows us all things. He's the one who's our teacher. He's our comforter. And so let's just allow him room to speak to us, to just show us anything that he is, is wanting to bring to our attention that is maybe keeping us from living in the things that James was, was speaking to us about today. Lord, we just picture you as the catcher and the things that you are bringing to our minds and to our attention. We choose, Lord, in faith to just relinquish to you. And we just say, Lord, would you come in and would you be the one that's in control? We thank you, Lord, that you have us, that our life is safe in you, and that we do not have to worry. So we actively choose, Lord, to exchange worry for peace. And we exchange anxiety and fear for thanksgiving and gratitude, Lord. And we choose to fix our eyes and our thoughts on you, our living hope. Thank you, Lord, that you are in the mundane you are in the everyday details. You never leave us for a moment. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if anybody is here, and you know you're not in a relationship like this, the one that we're describing. Please know it's what Jesus has done. He didn't come 
to make a way for us to just get to heaven. He came to make a way for us to come back to God, to come into a living, wonderful, life-giving relationship with the one who made us. And so if you're here and you don't walk in that place, you don't have a relationship like that, please come and chat to one of us. We'd so love to show you and just speak to you about how easy it is to enter into that relationship with Jesus. And if you're online and you're longing for a relationship like this, please know right where you are, you can take Jesus at his word and invite him in. And then please contact us because we'd love to help you grow in your relationship with him. So my friends, bless you. Have a fantastic week. Have a week. Start it out in the morning with him. Last thing at night, review your day with him. Ask him questions. Lord, where, where, where was I not aware of you? Where was I aware of you? What are the things you would love me to be aware of? You know, he, he wants to have an ongoing dialogue and conversation with us. He's better than you can ever imagine. And he transforms us day by day. So I really pray that this week is wonderful. I know there's challenges, but, but he is with us in the midst of them. And so have a blessed, healthy, wonderful week. And uh, we'll be back together again next week. Fantastic. Love you all very much. And bless all of you online. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, friends. Bye-bye.